0: Hi friends, welcome into the Tottenham Depot. I'm your host, Andrew. Uh, just wanted to give a disclaimer before you listen to this episode that it was recorded uh, live on Sunday afternoon over here in the States. And during the episode, the club announced that they were mutually parting ways with Antonio Conte. So you will get that reaction live on the pod. It comes kind of late in the pod. Uh, and I just wanted to let you know that everything that we discuss prior to that news is still very relevant, and it's a good conversation. So as you're listening to this pod, expecting for live reaction to Antonio Conte departing Tottenham Hotspur, just know that you will get that. But it does come a little bit later in the pod, and everything leading up to it is very, very relevant. Hope you enjoy. EQUITY OF UP TO 150
1: MILLION POUNDS You're not here to fun, you're here to win games We
2: want to try to reduce this gap I think that uh, a good team has to be good uh, to recognize uh, Doing
0: the game. Welcome into the Tottenham Depot. I am your host, Andrew. You can follow me at Astetka. You can follow us at Tottenham Depot. Got a big show despite, uh, well, I, I was going to say not a ton of news, but really it's Tottenham. So there's always a ton of news. There's a ton going on. Uh, and we're going to talk about it today. There was a, a friendly at the training ground. Uh, Harry Kane is now England's all-time leading scorer. Oh, and Tottenham Hotspur still somehow employ Antonio Conte, even after the conversation that we had last week. Uh, that, plus a North London derby to discuss on the women's side. All that and more. We've got Shuban alongside to do it with. He is at the real Shuban. Shubes, how are you feeling, man?
2: I'm all right, man. How are you? How, how are, how's
0: everybody? Not too bad. Caroline is also with us. She is at CG Stefko. Kaz, what's going on with you?
1: Ah, uh, not too much. Just recovering from a really long day full of soccer, which was not good on the Tottenham side, but good everywhere else. So,
0: yeah, we talked about this a little bit uh, in our in our group chat earlier today. I have managed over the last week or so to not watch any soccer. I've been watching everything but soccer. Uh, some have been taking in the the international and the local, the you know the MLS, the USL side, all that. I have stayed away, and it has been lovely for me. Uh Scott is also with us. He is at DSM Spurs. scott are you, are you taking in a lot of soccer this week? I know you watched the US uh pump uh punch Granada in the mouth was it the other night? Was it was it Granada they beat?
3: Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah. Um for sure. I'm probably one of one of the select few who's just really really hyped up on the on the men's national team right now and I know it's kind of a shit show without a manager and the burhalter of it all and the reina of it all and all of that of it all, right? But I uh I just am so, so excited about this talent pool that's taking shape, and now we learn that Balogun is going to commit to the United States, and that's a just a fucking huge coup, in my opinion. So, yeah, exciting times, but um, also got to watch my Dynamo beat New York City. Fuck you, Mark. If you ever listen to this show, I don't think you do, but you're an asshole, and... Take those three points and shove them up your ass, bud. But Mark Brown's catching strays here today. Depot. <laughs> oh, geez. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, guys. Mark, love you, buddy. You know, this is all in good fun. But yeah, Dynamo got a big win. So that was great. The women we'll get into later. I know Carolyn will, will have some things to say as well. She and I both watched that one yesterday. Kind of tough, but um, good weekend of soccer for sure. So.
0: Well, fair enough. I mean, you talked about managerial uh, issues with the U.S. men's national team. We're going to get into those at Tottenham Hotspur on the men's side as well. But um, before we do, let's touch on the fact that uh, we heard news of a training ground friendly that happened the other day with Ipswich. Uh, This was on Thursday. And I think the biggest piece of news for that that came out of me was that Hugo Lloris played 45 minutes in that uh, match. And I'm using air quotes quite, quite heavily uh, for that, and that got me thinking. Wow, we haven't seen Hugo Lloris in a while. Uh, he's starting to recover from this injury. We've talked a lot, and I mean a lot about Fraser Forster since he's been gone. Um, I guess I just kind of wanted to do a quick little Hugo Lloris check in. How are we feeling? Where where are we with Hugo Lloris right now? Um, if Hugo Lloris is coming back, and I mean, I don't, I haven't read anything saying that it's imminent, but maybe it's as soon as next week against Everton. Um, maybe it's the game after that, but how are we feeling in general about a potential Hugo Lloris return? Is this something that we're looking forward to? Is this something that we want? I know there are folks out there who will just say Fraser Forster's played well enough. Just leave him in and leave Hugo Lloris on the bench. But I don't know. I'm, that's why I'm, I'm, I'm throwing this out to you all and seeing how we feel about it. Shuban, let's start with you. Where are you on Hugo Lloris returning to the starting 11 for Tottenham Hotspur right now?
2: Um, for those of you don't know Fraser Forster got called back into the England squad because there were some injuries. That's how well he's been doing. He's basically been our signing of the season, and unless he I don't know kicks the ball into his own net, I just don't see a reason to drop him right now.
3: Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to agree with Shuban. I mean, I goalkeeper is one of the positions where if it's not broken, do not fix it. Right? Um uh It's tough because he goes the captain and is. Such a long-standing servant of this club, and we know he's been rocky, right? I'm not going to sit here and say he's been great this season, but he's still still the leader of this team. So it's it's tough to say, but I I would have to keep Fraser Forster and Ned. He's been fantastic.
1: Yeah, I think the complicating variable here is who is actually going to be the manager when he returns uh, mm-hmm. to the full, you know, first team, and if it's Conte, I kind of suspect that he he would be willing to go back to Hugo simply because Hugo is the captain. Conte tends to like to stick with what he knows. Um but if somebody new comes in, you know, I feel like it's it's just going to come down to who impresses the most in training and if I had a vote in it, I would probably say keep Fraser, you know, I think he's done really well now that he's had a good run of games to get his form back and get back into his match fitness so yeah I would stick with Frazier it's really interesting
0: I didn't quite expect all three of you to be in favor of just leaving Forrester in in the lineup and it's delightful for me as I'm trying to ping the question out to you guys I I think a lot of this depends on what the plan is going forward because as we've talked about there's only what 10 games left um if Hugo Lloris is gonna be around heading into the fall into next season I would be shocked if they didn't go back to him if they leave it with leave the job with Fraser Forster and you know Hugo just kind of ri- it's a weird and awkward transition to let Hugo Lloris kind of ride off into the sunset like that I, I don't know I feel mm-hmm. like there's a lot maybe this isn't important in the grand scheme of things and it's all just kind of a little more like political dynamics, if you will, within the club, club politicking, if you will, than, than actual importance um, in terms of on the pitch quality. I think we all know that there are things that Fraser Forster does that Hugo Lloris can't and vice versa, but it's, it, it's kind of, to me, it really does feel almost like a six in one hand, half dozen in the other type of situation.
3: Well, I, I think the, the, the thing here for me, if I had to point to one singular issue that would lead me to say, fraser has got to be the guy is, and I will put an asterisk in with alongside what I'm about to say, and you know, piggyback off of what you said is if is, if his time at Tottenham is done after this season, that's really fucked up to to bench him for the rest of it, right? But goalkeeper is growing to be maybe the primary concern this offseason, as silly as that sounds, because center back, we are in not a great place, right? Um, could use some uh, an attacking presence as well some someone creative right but goalkeeper is a very important position and we're floundering there so because of that you know i think what i'm trying to say is if, if i'm looking at the most glaring issue on the field we know there's an issue there and the person who is playing there is playing very well and it just seems asinine to change that at that point right um because we fixed our issue that we've had in the entire season right now with the the way that Frazier's playing. So that's, that's why I say you have to play Frazier, but God, that's so harsh on Hugo if his time at the club is done after this. And it very well could be because if Hugo is our starting keeper next year, I am unhappy as a fan. I'm very unhappy as a fan. Um, I love that man to death, but he's been nowhere good enough. And we're overdue for a refresh in that position without question.
0: I also think there's something to be said for, we're looking at, at a really small sample size of Fraser Forster since Hugo has gone out. And in the grand scheme of things, he's been okay. I don't think he's been lights out or anything he's been. And, and, and what you're saying about signing of the season. Uh, yeah, there's, there's a little bit to that because where, where would you be without some of the saves that he's made? But at the same time, I don't think he's come in and been exponentially better than Hugo Lloris was as as we thought Hugo Lloris was struggling before his injury so it'll be it'll be something interesting to look at and to watch for um, in the coming next coming games for Spurs. Um, Let's transition this to talk a little bit about Harry Kane now because Harry Kane becomes England's all time leading goal scorer 54th goal and a 55th today against Ukraine uh, in their in their match. Um, That is wild to me when I looked at the number of appearances and the number of goals it just it blew my mind um so i i just i kind of want to take a second to recognize it because he's harry kane and we need to do that but um really you know shuban i want to pass the ball to you because you're closest to this obviously this is you know we're talking international <laughs> football in your country so what do you have for us with harry kane in england
2: well it's something it, arson wenger was calling for harry kane to get pick for england in 2015 because that he was like he's playing so well you've got to pick him and i remember i was on match of the day i think danny murphy was saying that not only just be picked for the team maybe just picked for the squad put him in the team build the team around him and this was in this was just after harry he scored the winner against um arsenal in the northland derby that time and um this was maybe about march of 2015 and i don't i you know what it's and the thing is he's it's so weird because because when you, when you go around the country, you'll hear loads of people calling Harry Kane out for all kinds of crap. But I'll tell you this now. If somebody's going to take a penalty against Hugo Lloris at a World Cup, you want that to be Harry Kane. You don't want it to be Rashford. You don't want it to be Jude Bellingham or Declan Rice. You want it to be Harry Kane. He to, people And do you know what? Here's something: And you've had a lot of crap about, oh, he's got a move. That's the reason why he's not playing well for England, blah, blah, blah. I don't see anyone saying. By the way, you know, can Harry Kane play for someone else? Because like, you know, because he's he literally is. He him and when you look at the, the England team, if you think which uh, players will get into like any other side, like internationally or like club level, it's him and Jude Bellingham. They are head and shoulders above, and probably Carl Walker, I guess, as well. Actually, to be, I'll give I'll give him that fair. That's how good you know Harry Kane is. He's probably, in my lifetime, the greatest English striker that I've ever seen. And I was, I was very lucky. I got to see Shearingham and Shearer at their best, combined. And um, honestly, the best way I can describe it, and I remember still to this day, when I saw Harry Kane when he first emerged, I think it was against Chelsea, and I was like, how do you say so powerful? And he had, like, the best quality of Shearer and Shearingham and Klinsman. And it was just to see him doing this, I mean, was it literally what two months after breaking the record for Tottenham to do it for England, and and do you know what that record has stood for what? But only only was it. I remember Rain, Rain Rooney broke the record, and he, even he said, "Do you know what? Um, you know uh, this record. I'm very glad to break it, but it probably won't stand that long because you've got Harry, Ross, and Raheem, and we've seen that Ross Barkley. He's I don't know what where's Ross Barkley is now. I think he's in France." Raheem still plays, but nowhere near as much as he should do. But Harry Kane, missed Consistent. He didn't have any of the people touting him the way they touted Raheem or Ross. But for him to do what he's doing at the level he's doing it at, and the thing is, he can still do it. I mean, I, I watched the game today. The way he set up his own goal, it's like, how <laughs> you just think if you had just a little bit more quality, and I've got to go a, second, I saw a sack of great ball into him by the way it's just a privilege to, work, to watch him for club and country and um i'm glad he's one of our own harry's been in the news a lot in the last week in the in the rumor circles
0: because of it, and, and a lot of it's tied to conte and the the managerial situation and his future but you know on the verge of 30 now what's his value could he make a move i i this feels to me very, very different than it did a few seasons ago with the links to Manchester City. And I guess I, I want to get your guys' idea on if if I'm alone in that. Because to me, I don't think Harry Kane's going anywhere. I feel like his window to leave Spurs closed when he didn't leave Spurs for Manchester City a few seasons ago and they got Erling Haaland. And as we know, the, the rest, as they say, is history. I, could, could a club emerge that would pay what it would require Spurs to sell him. Yeah. I just don't think the chances of that happening are extremely high. Scott, where are you with this?
3: I, I, I think Kane retires at Spurs. i for the first time. I feel very, very confident in saying that I, and it, I'm glad you bring this up. I watched this morning on, on the Twitters, uh, a FaceTime between him and the prime minister. And I don't mean to make this political, right? Cause I know it's polarizing, but, It was a wonderful conversation and i think you know the prime minister pointed out just what the person that harry kane was maybe even more so than the player that harry kane is right Or the person he is more so than the player he is couldn't agree more and i just had this feeling as i was watching this video that harry kane has everything he needs and he's very happy right now um first of all i think england will very well win a major tournament soon they're close they're very very talented that squad is so bought into the common goal and they're so cohesive. Like there's no way they don't win the euros or the next world cup, in my opinion, feel confident saying that that's huge for Kane, but either way he's going to be the record Tottenham scorer, the record England scorer, and the record premier league scorer. What other trophies do you need other than getting one for the club that you have been at since you were a child. Right? So I just, Again, this is a gut feeling. Call it similar to when I said Italy was winning the Euros, and I just felt it. Like, I feel it in my bones that Kane is very happy at Spurs, despite the rhetoric and and the narratives that we hear and see, right? So, um, time will tell. But, like I said, if he's the record goal scorer for any club that he's touched or any footballing entity that he's touched, who gives a shit what you do beyond that? Again, other than maybe get that elusive Premier League title for Tottenham or something like that. So, I, I think he's around.
0: Caroline, do you feel the same? I, I I, just, I don't see what club would come in from. I mean, I, You're a Bayern fan. Are, are Bayern coming in for, for Harry Kane anytime soon? I mean, I, I don't know that United are. I don't know that, you know, we've heard Real Madrid. I think the guy wants to stay in England, and I think he's going to do it with Spurs.
1: Well, the German football media would like for you to believe that it's a possibility <laughs> that he's going to go to Bayern, but as I keep telling my fellow Bayern fans, it's, it's not happening. I just can't see it because he wants that Premier League goal-scoring record. And even on a personal level, I don't think he has much of an appetite for moving to another uh, country, uprooting his family. Um, I just can't see that happening. And as far as it goes with Premier League teams, there's really only a couple that I think could realistically afford him. And only one that I think he would consider going to. And I think it's obviously Manchester United. But, I mean, we've heard rumblings that they're no longer interested. So, yeah, I'm every day thinking it's more and more certain that he's going to stay. And we've also heard some rumors that he's been giving input into the manager search for Tottenham. So if that doesn't show a sign of his investment in the club's future, then I don't know what does.
0: Well, let's let's just get into that now because the manager thing we've 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 left the listeners hanging long enough. Um, I wrote down a few questions for you guys, and I just want to run them run them all by you. The first one is how slash why slash what slash who? Um, no, why is is Antonio Conte still the manager at Tottenham Hotspur? <laughs> like we 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 did this thing a week ago. I mean, for those of you who listened to last week's episode, we were gonna record it right after the match on Saturday. And then I thought we should probably wait 24 hours because Antonio Conte is getting sacked on Sunday morning after the tirade he went on. We waited till Sunday. It still didn't happen. We recorded an episode saying, well, it'll probably happen by Monday or Tuesday as you're listening to this. It's now the following Sunday. It's this shit still hasn't happened. And I guess the only context that makes me think it's still going to happen is when the club ended up firing Mauricio Pochettino a couple of seasons ago it did happen at the tail end of an international break. And they just immediately appointed Jose Mourinho and said, we're off and running. This is what we're doing. I guess that kind of could play in this realm too. I know there's been a lot of talk about haggling over a compensation package and this and that, but there's no way that Antonio Conte is actually still in charge a week from Monday at Everton, right?
3: Honestly, i i as much as i want to say the answer is close the club is just fucking stupid and doesn't ever know what it's doing i think the real answer is that levy knows deep down that he has to get this right that this is like kind of it um is this like a three strikes saying, and
0: you're out situation dude, like you, i mean i'm not you, saying you tried with jose be... you tried with conte you better not fuck this one up yes too.
3: Well, and I'm, and I'm not saying that he's going to be, like, removed from his post. He, he, he's the only one that can do that, right? Joe Lewis, of course, but Levy will be around. But my point is with the fans and their patience, like, he's going to find himself in a very, very difficult and precarious position if he doesn't get this right. That's what I think a lot of this is. And we all know that as soon as Nagelsmann is fired, whatever progress was made is halted immediately and you know someone else comes into the fold i'm not saying you drop everything for nagelsman if Poch is being interviewed if whomever is being interviewed you see that process through right but it's going to become elongated because of nagelsman so there's just a lot of moving pieces and a very very important decision to be made so
0: we're definitely more about Nagelsmann if we're going to leave caroline as well because of her connection to byron and being a fan but i want to go to shuban first because like what the hell is going on over there, man? What, what are we? What are we doing out here? <laughs> What's going on? What, this well, past week has been you wild. You say
2: that. Is it the past week? The past four years? I mean, here's the thing. Yeah, fair. I was, I, this is from this from Alistair Gold actually, and, this, and I'm not. I, I would love to claim credit for it, but he made this really good observation. The last time we had a manager that stayed, that started off the season with Tottenham and the end of the season with Tottenham was Maurice Pochettino, and that was yes. 2018 to 2019. That's been so. In the last four years we've had to change our manager at least once every season and we change it this year so maybe I know Conte's thinking I, I don't know what Conte leaves me I can't do this again I'm gonna wait till the end of the season and then start off afresh because it I'm sorry it beggars belief that the recruitment I don't know if it's a nomination committee or whatever have got this so wrong so many times I mean, I've got to give, I'm, I would love to hear what Kaz has got to say, because honestly, the the quote's coming out from, is it, I think it's at Handanovic and Oliver Kahn, they are so, I'm trying, I don't know if they're being funny on purpose, or if there's something lost in translation, but it's just so funny, that, and it's just like, it's like, there's one thing about, i got to say about German efficiency, maybe it's a stereotype, but it's just like, yeah, at uh, 11 o'clock we decided that we weren't happy, and that was it, he was gone something well let's
0: let's turn the conversation to the Nagelsman part of this because it is interesting I mean early last week everyone was okay they're gonna fire Conte and they're gonna do one of two things they're gonna appoint Ryan Mason the caretaker manager for the final 10 or so games of the season and then move on in the summer and 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 see where where they go from there or they're gonna bring Mauricio Pochettino right back and let's go like let's Pochettino 2.0 the you know to too poach too furious whatever you want to call it uh, that was that era was beginning right then and there and then nagelsman gets sacked on it was thursday correct and all of a sudden all the rumors start well okay this throws a wrench into what spurs were potentially going to do so uh, i'll i'll go to you kaz and say like is this is this real is I don't I don't know I don't even know where where to where to go with this stuff because I know that Nagelsmann is a guy that Spurs had looked at I think even prior to hiring Nuno Espirito Santo and now all of a sudden he's available again but is this a job that he would want does he want to jump right from Bayern to Spurs there's a there's a lot of tentacles to this whole ordeal that that come into play here so I just want to let you wrap about what what's going on at Bayern obviously it sounds like they're hiring Thomas Tuchel right as well which is another like he was another guy that was on a lot of these lists for Spurs so I I don't know I've rambled too much about things I don't know I want to turn it over to you Kaz and and, and let you educate us on what the hell's going on in Munich
1: what the hell is going on in Munich is a very good question because I asked (laughs) myself that several times on Thursday (laughs) because you know it's funny I I almost wondered if Tottenham had somehow caught wind of this being about to occur. Um, And that could, you know, possibly be why there was such a delay and, and Conte leaving and all of that. But I just don't think there's any way they could have known because Nagelsmann himself was shocked. Um, You know, this really came out of left field for him, for the fans. Um, And I think, you know, a lot of a lot of people have asked me questions about would he be a good fit for Spurs? Like, why did he get sacked at Bayern? Should we be concerned about the reasons behind that? And, you know, the truth These is... These are all it, questions I um, have
0: as well. These are all my yeah, questions.
1: It's, like you said, a lot of moving parts here. Um, but I think it, it sounds like the reason he was let go at this time is not so much because of you know, the actual results that he had gotten with Byron, which were very good. It should be pointed out. Um, you know, Bayern are still on for a treble at this point. <laughs> and they, the club just decided that because Tuchel was available that they had to act now to bring him in, which I will say as a Byron fan, I personally do not like this decision, but whatever it's in the past, it's done. Tottenham can benefit from it by Nogglesman coming to Spurs. It will at least make me feel a little bit better Um, because I do think he would be a good good choice for the manager spot at at Tottenham. You know, he plays a really attacking style of football. He's going to get the most out of those players that we've talked about, you know, really underperforming this season because of Conte's tactics. Um, So that would be really refreshing. I think there have been some concerns around his man management, but I really think that a lot of that just comes down to him being a younger manager and Byron is a very kind of unique environment in club soccer, because this is a club where, you know, at every level of, of management and behind the scenes, like it's former players, everyone is extremely invested to the point where, you know, they don't always make, I think the rational decisions. Um, and he kind of it's just a lot of politics, basically, that he had to deal with in coming into this role and especially coming off the heels of Hansi Flick winning, you know, six trophies in one year with the club. Like that's an incredibly hard act to follow. So I, I, I would really like to see Nagelsmann come in. I think the only question is, is he going to want to jump right into another job, um, especially with the way it went down at Bayern, which I don't know. We'll see, but I, I'm definitely, if, if it can't be Pochettino, I want it to be Nogglesman. And that's basically where I'm at with it.
0: I think one of the questions I had written down about this whole managerial situation, we'll call it over the last week for Spurs is, and I know that there's obvious differences, especially when it comes to something like age, but I want to know what the difference between hiring a guy like, Julian Nagelsmann is to hiring Antonio Conte and Jose Mourinho. Obviously, Nagelsmann is only 35. He's, much, he's 20, 25 years younger than Conte and Mourinho. But he's also way less proven than, than those two guys, even though he's had a job like Bayern, which is a big job. I, I guess... The big difference for me in in this whole managerial search and really the last few seasons at Spurs with the managers has been, well, they've gone after these, these big names. They've gone after big fish to put in their big pond, which is still a big pond despite it being smaller than some of the other ponds even in England. It's still a big pond. I, I'm curious as to whether or not they're going to go that route again or they're going to go almost like they did when they got Pochettino and they plucked a guy from southampton and made him into more and and really that's to his credit to pochettino's credit as well it's not just that spurs made pochettino as much as pochettino made spurs as well that those things worked in tandem i'm curious whether spurs will go down the route of the name like Nogglesman or one of these up-and-comers whether it's deservey from brighton or 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 someone else that they can pluck from a smaller club and then develop from there and kind of grow together again and it. It's a very weird place that Spurs are in. Spurs are very much in the middle of this phase where they were growing, growing, and now they've grown, but they still haven't taken that next step, which is, of course, winning something and being, you know, amongst the best uh, in the country. I just it's a very it's almost like Spurs as a as a club are like at that awkward teenager phase where they're not quite adults, but they're not kids anymore. Um, And I just don't know who's the best person or or type of person is to lead that that group at this point scott where are you at with all this
3: i think there's there's a couple key differentiations between someone like nagelman and and conte Jose, whatever right one is the the type of football you know that and the type of football nagelman plays is what tottenham as an ethos requires right um i think secondly as as you kind of already said, Nogglesman has something to prove, and I think I said on the last show it has to be somebody who has something to prove, right? Um, but I do I do still think that there's some there's some similarities to point out, and that's more just in the fo- the scope of the footballing world. I think Nogglesman, if you appoint him, we need somebody who's willing to stick around for a, a decent amount of time, right? We're talking three to five years, probably. For this rebuild, Nagelsmann is always going to be a very hot candidate for clubs like Barcelona, for clubs like Real Madrid, for clubs like, fuck, Juventus even. Like, we're going to battle a lot of clubs to keep him. Pochettino, we will not. Like, Pochettino has turned down mega jobs to stay at Spurs before, and he's waiting for Spurs now, right? So... And I know you didn't ask me about Pochettino versus Nagelsmann, but I think you have to point out that similarity because with Nagelsmann, you always, always, always have your manager being linked away, right? And with Poch, that that won't happen. And I'm not sitting here saying I prefer to Nagelsmann. I could go on and on about my preferences one versus the other, but I think it's we have something that has to be pointed out.
0: Where where does the balance lie then in terms of? the attractiveness of this job, this goes to to kind of the third of four questions that I had about this situation. I think Spurs is a very attractive job, but with Spurs kind of, like I said, being in that awkward teenager phase of their growth, if you ask me um, that that's a challenge. It's a, it's, it's not a, it's not a walk in and get everything you want. I mean, we we've, we've learned that from, from the Conte and Mourinho stints that you don't walk in here and push Daniel Levy around and get every single thing that you want financially. You, you also have a structure in which, you know, I know there's a lot of fans out there who say they want Spurs to spend more money. I I, I think they've spent plenty of money. I think it's a way, the way that they're spending their money that's been the issue. Um, and the kind of just the recruitment. There's a lot of little things you can nitpick, nit, nitpick with at Spurs that, tell you why they're still in that teenage phase rather than the full grown and full blown adult phase of, of their, their club. Um, but they're definitely not sitting at the little kids table anymore. So how, like, what's the attractiveness of the job itself, either to, and I want you guys to both take this with Nagelsmann, with Pochettino, with a guy like Deserbi, whoever, there's a lot of different names out there. Um, And honestly, I kind of want to know what the attractiveness of this job is to Antonio Conte at this point, too, because other than just seeing out the last 10 games and waltzing your way back to Italy, I don't know what what the what the draw is for him, especially after what happened a week ago Saturday. So I I know that's a lot to, to prompt you guys, but what's the attractiveness of this job? Obviously, it's an attractive job, but on what level are we at here?
1: Well, I'll start with the Conte one because that's the easiest. Um, I I don't think it is an attractive job to him any longer. I think he made that very clear with his last press conference, and the fact that he immediately left the country. <laughs> um, you know, he's he's mentally checked out, and if the club doesn't check him out from a physical standpoint as well, then I think we're going to be in a really painful spot for the last what is it 10 games of the season um yeah I just don't think it can continue the way it is but for other managers it is
0: important to to point out though too that Conte normally leaves and goes back to Italy during an international break that's not like an obscure thing but also why is that a normal thing why is he not there running training for those who are there I don't know how common that is among all managers but just uh, will say he, that's something that's been going on for a while. It's not like it's not like he had that press conference and fucked off back to Italy with like, and that was an unexpected thing. Like he does that a lot, but also why is he always doing that rather than running, you know, running training for those who are there?
1: And, and he didn't say anything to the players before he left, which to me is kind of not a good look. I think he, I think he said uh, enough
0: to them in, <laughs> into the microphone at the uh, at the press conference,
1: yeah. which some of them got to find out later on. Which, uh, yeah, that could not have been pleasant. I was kind of like honestly seeing some of the players' reactions to learning that Nagelsmann was fired, but I'll stay on topic here. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think that right now Tottenham is going to be an attractive job to a manager who does want to take on a project and is clear-eyed about the reality of... <sighs> I don't want to necessarily say investment available for player transfers because I do think that the club has been putting more into transfers in recent years, you know, post stadium being finished. Um, but, you know, there's always going to have to be that acknowledgement that they might not get every player that they want. Um, but I, I think specifically to Nagelsmann, this is going to be an attractive job to him because it's a dream of his to manage in the premier league. And I don't know that his reputation as good as it is, is at the point yet where he could be, you know, walking into a club like a Chelsea, a Man City, you know, I think Spurs is, is a much better level for him to enter at. And it would make sense for his career. Um, Deservey, I don't really understand why we keep getting linked with him because I just don't see it happening. I don't understand why he would want to leave Brighton at this point because he seems to have a good relationship with his board and you know, Brighton are in a really good place and have potential to grow. So to me, I would think he would want to, you know, continue the project as we say.
3: Yeah. I mean, I, 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 I agree with you. I think as far as his RB goes, I would love him. Do not get me wrong. I would love, love to have him at Spurs, but I think there's some, some exciting things for him at Brighton. It's also the middle of the season, right? I don't see him leaving with 10 games to go, et cetera you know, if if Ryan Mason pops up as the interim then I start to maybe ask questions, is there something going on when we, if we didn't announce Nagelsmann or Potch, right? But um, I think for Conte, there is no attraction at all. And it's mutual, right? Um, For me, Nagelsmann comes and I don't, you know, Carolyn will certainly know more of Julian Nagelsmann than I will, but it, it kind of comes down to the type of person he is. Cause if he's somebody who like leads with his heart and emotions you take the spurs job in a heartbeat right he just got kicked and kicked in the gut let's go but if he's somebody who thinks with his head and a little bit more pragmatically and analytically you maybe don't jump into the spurs role right because there's a lot that comes with that um which we all know very well i don't need to get into that right but there's just a lot that comes with that and so if you want my honest opinion if we're talking like tiers right you could say like class managers tier one world-class managers I think there's only one guy on the planet that it's truly attractive to and that's pochettino i really believe that there's only one person in that class of manager that looks at this job and has zero concerns right um maybe concerns but zero hesitancies you could say right i think anyone else has hesitancies without question you talk two or two, three, whatever, and I'm not, not an expert on these things, right? But maybe someone like the Zarbi is a tier two, and maybe they do want to make a jump up to a club that competes for the Champions League, right? So it's a very attractive job to a lot of people. But if we're talking truly talented managers, I really think there's only one who has zero hesitancy. So, you know, I think I think it's comfortable at least to start talking as a pot Nogglesman at this point, right? And I think it's really going to come down to the type of person Nogglesman is, because I... I personally think if Nagelsmann wants this job, Levy hands him the papers immediately. Um, I think Levy is very, very interested in Nagelsmann and as great of a relationship as he has with Pochettino, that's never going to go away, right? But Nagelsmann's available. So I, I think he's our guy, and I think it's going to be his, his decision, honestly.
0: And I think that's the part of this that feels like Mourinho and Conte to me. Like, obviously, like I said earlier, there's a lot of differences in age accomplishment but it feels like levy was dead set on one guy he wasn't available and then when the opportunity aroused uh came about he he jumps on that that moment and and hires him and that's what this if if this ends up going the route of of julian Nagelsmann, that's what this feels like and it feels very similar to oh this is the guy that is going to prove that Levy's a genius, and I just don't think that Levy's a genius yeah. when it comes to these kind of kinds of things.
3: I mean, I'm I'm not going to argue that Levy's done much right lately, but
0: I I do think
3: there's one very very distinct differentiation between the two, and it's on the other side. Right? right on the side of Spurs, I completely understand what you're saying; it logically makes a lot of sense, right? But on the other side, Nagelsmann has not gone in and won everything he's ever done, right? He is, and He's won trophies without question, but he's not gone in and cleaned up everything. He's not gone in and gotten Samuel Eto to move out to the wing, right, for the better of the team, best striker in the league to go play on the wing for the betterment of the team, right? Those types of things haven't happened yet, getting world-class players to give in to the greater good and suppress their egos a little bit, right? It's a challenge, and Nagelsmann has has – a lot to prove up against a conte or a Ju- uh, jose marino and i know how that sounds because the the, the marino and the conte of it all are just kind of like doesn't taste terribly pleasant right now right and nogglesman's a fucking great guy for all you know f- for what it seems to me but um but he has he has not done what 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 marino and and conte i'm not even remotely close right and so um it's very different on that side but as as far as tottenham goes yeah it feels pretty similar to drop our progress for somebody that pops up right
0: yeah the, like i said i have less apprehension about Nogglesman as i do just skepticism maybe or or just a, just a healthy dose of i, I don't know maybe that one'll work but it feels a lot like we just keep trotting out these and it I don't know I don't have the answers. I don't know if it's if it's Pochettino, if it's you know Deserby, if it's Nagelsmann, if it's someone else I have not named, if it's fucking Ryan Mason. I don't know any of these things. Like I don't I I certainly don't know where the Ryan Mason heads are getting their you know their desire to, to really stick their neck out on, on a line for him, but who fucking knows? They might appoint mason in these 10 matches and they might win seven of them and make top four and it might be like oh maybe ryan mason is like i just don't know at this point this this season has broken my ability to think anything or predict anything or know what's going to happen next it's just it feels like a goddamn mystery every time the yeah
3: no i'm just gonna say i think the, the interesting thing is dude Again, I truly believe it's Pochettino Nagelsmann. I think Nagelsmann, Nagelsmann is a guy who can come in and get really, but get everybody buzzing again, right? Fans, players, whatever, and we need that. But we've done that twice now, right? We've we've all been buzzing, and then ten results later, we're like, "Fuck, what's going on right now?" Um, but he he does bring excitement. Pochettino brings stability, just pure stability to this club. He comes in and immediately everything's calm again, right? And that's what I think we have to figure out. Like, do we need calm or do we need exciting potential progression? Pochettino also gives you potential progression. Let's not sit here and talk as if he's not a fucking world-class manager. I don't care about, he didn't win, whatever. It's all bullshit. He's very talented. Pochettino brings stability. Nagelsmann brings just new excitement. Um, And that's a big decision the club has to make. I personally think we need stability right now, right? But if I wake up and it's Nagelsmann – I'm fucking excited on let's fucking go, baby. So I'll buy right into that shit. But it's a big question that I think the club is gonna have to answer.
0: I, I think the apprehension I have with Pachettino almost just comes down to a fear of it not going well again. And what does that do to because like you're saying, Scott, the the draw to bring Pachettino back and win something with him and make this thing work is there, obviously. It's it's a it's a carnal love affair that we ha- all have with marisa Pochino in those days like we will always long for those days but when you if you go through a breakup if you go back to your ex a few years later and it doesn't work that's how you really know they weren't the one like I, like I, i'm sure mm-hmm. many people have, have been through something like that and like yeah, there's there's a desire that it will be as good as it was the first time, but if it doesn't work, and look, I'm not saying it can't. Sometimes it can. Sometimes you just needed a break. But like, if that doesn't work, that is really, really damaging. Like, not I, only I agree, from a but... from a football standpoint, but from a psychological standpoint, that is really, really damaging.
3: It is for sure. But I I I'll, I'll flip it a little bit and say, let's say Nagelsmann does Negelsman comes in and it doesn't go well, right? He's sacked, and everyone's like, "Holy shit, Tottenham, y'all are fucked." Like, you Nagelsmann failed. Now that's Conte. That's Jose. That's Nagelsmann. You guys got fucking problems, right now? If Pochettino I think that's something fails, that everyone
0: knows, though, I think everyone yeah, knows that this club I, I has I agree,
3: but well, let's say, let's say this. Like, let's say it fails under Nagelsmann. He's sacked. Us as fans are like, "Jeez, holy shit, dude, we're fucked. This is just a mess, right?" If Pacchettino comes in, it doesn't start well. It doesn't go well. I don't think it's failure. I think I think we'll get to the same conclusion that Tottenham's fucked, but Ta- Mo- Pochettino will be the one to say we're fucked. We are fucked. Let's get through this and let's get out of it, right? We're not y'all are fucked, peace, or you sacked me. Best of luck to you shitheads, right? Pochettino is saying we are in trouble. We need to get through this, and that's a huge differentiation that has to be considered because I'm sure Nagelsmann is a fantastic guy, But he is not going to go through the shit of Tottenham that could potentially come in the future like Mauricio Pochettino would be willing to do. So I don't know. I mean, either way, whoever you appoint, failure is possible and neither is a good. Neither looks good. Right. Neither of them failing looks good. But one of the guys, I think, supports you as opposed to parting ways um, if you're Levy.
0: So I don't know. Caroline, is it a good idea to be friends with your exes?
1: You know, it's funny that everyone's been using this kind of exes metaphor because <laughs> to me, Pachetito was more like our dad. And <laughs> it's kind of like we wanted we wanted to make our own way for a while and it didn't really work out. And now we're like, hey, we need help again.
0: <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna move back into um, dad's house and you know, save right. some money and yes, you know, try to but- try to find the part time job that works.
1: Yeah, the, the thing about Poch coming back is that I feel like we will all be immediately reinvested in a way that we have not felt probably in the past few seasons under these, you know, very detached kind of managers. Um, but it's also going to make it so much more crushing if it goes wrong. So that's, I think that's where my hesitance comes with the idea of pochettino coming back like i i want it on a deep emotional level but i'm afraid of it on a mental level <laughs>
0: yeah i think that's where i'm at because i think if i think if like i said if it doesn't go well then you have the well they couldn't even you you'll have the if if it's nagel's and it goes poorly you'll have the wow they really after Pochettino, they've now fucked up with Mourinho, Conte, and Nagelsmann, and we'll throw Nuno in there as well, even though we all kind of know that he was the, the B-story in all of this. Like, you've fucked up with these three managers who, two of which have been very, very proven and won a lot, and one of which is a young up-and-comer who we think is going to be, you know, the next guy to jump to that level of Pep and Klopp and all, all of these serial, serial winners. So they've gone and fucked up those three. If if it's Pochettino and it doesn't go well, it's all of a sudden, well, this club couldn't even get joy out of the guy who previously brought them joy. So where do they go now? How fucked up are they that they couldn't even go back to the guy who previously got them in a place where they were feeling good about themselves? That's a really scary place to be as a mm. just mentally as a. As a well, that's what I say. And as a fan base, and as a, as a club as a whole, it's that's 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 a scary place for to let that go down.
3: Well, that, that's exactly why I say. Like, I don't think with Poch, it's it's a separation and then a, a reflection back. I don't think there's a separation actually if it doesn't go right, and that's where I think this is very different, right? Um, yeah. And I and I think it's because Levy like let's say let's say it goes wrong under Nagelsmann. I don't think Levy's firing Nagelsmann after all of this failure. Like he can't just fire another world class manager after a run of poor results because his team's not good enough, right? He can't do that again. So he wouldn't sack Nagelsmann. Nagelsmann would just be like, "Dude, I'm gonna go coach Madrid. <laughs> Best of luck to you guys." You know, and I wouldn't even fault him for that. But they, with posture, just no separation. Um, and I think this, I don't know, man. I just think this club kind of needs that again right now. Like like Caroline said, we need something to believe in again. Like I've said it on every episode for as long as I can remember I don't even give a shit about matches anymore. Like I, I would really prefer the season to just end at this point. Right. I'll, if pa- Pochettino's on the touchline, I'm probably in tears the first time and we're probably like away at Brighton and I'm crying. Right. Um, that's that's what it w- would do for this club. Now, if Nagelsmann is on the touchline, I'm still w- w- right-eyed and bushy-tailed. I've said it a couple times already on this episode. I'm super excited to watch that, but I'm certainly not in tears, right? And um, yeah, I don't know. It's just again, this club is in a really tough spot, and this is a fucking huge decision.
1: But you know, thinking about it this way, I almost think that Nagelsmann would be the more rational choice at this point because there is so much emotion and passion tied up with Pochettino and with Nagelsmann both sides have something to prove because you know it can't be feeling great for him to have been let go from Bayern his boyhood club you know he's he's going to be wanting to prove himself too so it could end up being mutually beneficial in that way
0: yeah, that's, I, I that's a really interesting that. that's a really interesting point but I also think that there's something that Pochettino has to prove because yes well he went to PSG and he won the league and they won a few co- I don't and I don't really think Pochettino did anything to deserve being sacked by PSG that's just kind of how they operate but at the same time I feel like Pochettino still has a little bit of a fire in his be- I don't know but he's probably got a little fire in his belly to come back and prove hey uh, we went through a tough time and I got the sack here but we we can we can come back and we can do something similar we can you know, we can win in England, we can win cups, we can win, you know, compete for Champions League, compete for the league. Like he he was right on the precipice of that and didn't get any of it done in England. So maybe there's still something to prove for him too. I don't know. I think that the biggest thing for me with Pochettino, and this kind of leads into the last part of this whole conversation, which I don't think is being discussed nearly enough, is who should be involved in this decision? Because we still have the Fabio Paratici cloud hanging over this club. And not, not to mention the Antonio Conte cloud as of this moment is still hanging over this club. And we really think that by the time you're perhaps listening to this, and I know I said this last week, but by the time you're perhaps listening to this on Monday or maybe even Tuesday, as we recorded on Sunday, maybe the Conte bomb has dropped and he's gone. But what happens next and who's making that decision, I think is really, really key. I think we all know that Daniel Levy is going to have his hand in it. But how much is Paratici going to have his hand in it? And how much should he have his hand in it? Because if Conte's leaving, does that also mean that Paratici's leaving? And if Paratici's leaving, does that pave more of a way for Marisa Pochettino to come back? Because we know that Marisa Pochettino hasn't tended to work well with a director of football ahead of him. And also, if it's Pochettino, should he have a director of football? I personally kind of think he should. I think he should be coaching and should work with someone else to bring players in there's a lot of these other again this thing has so many tentacles to it but who should have the most influence in this decision making should it be levy should it should it be fucking harry kane we, we we mentioned it earlier like he's had talk about you know influence about who this next manager will be after Conte. I, there's just so much to this i don't know where the involvement falls from like i said levy perotchi players whoever i just i think that's something that needs to be decided as well and i don't think it's being talked about nearly enough
3: i'm glad you brought up harry kane because there this is not in jest at all i think harry kane should be the most influential person in this process and the decision that we make and i know it sounds stupid and i know people are going to hear that and say what the fuck dude he's one of our players right but first of all I don't I don't know. And if you're listening and you want to throw this stat back at me, it would be very much appreciated. But I don't know if there's anyone who is the leading goal scorer for club, country um, and league that they're involved in. Right. Uh, All at the same time. I think Harry Kane is now not I can't predict the future, but from this day through the history of the sport, I think he will go down as the greatest striker to ever play. And I think if you have that guy on your team, you make sure that they're involved in who their manager is. I just, you, you have a a once in probably three or four generation player, no joke, right? He has to be involved in that decision. And I think that if I, if, if I personally was Levy, I would, I don't know who we're building around beyond Kane, right? We can speculate all day, but whoever that group is, I think they're all involved in this decision. I think they're interviewing managers as a panel but Harry Kane has got to be heavily, heavily involved in this decision. It can't be Pratiti. What the fuck? It cannot be Conte, obviously. Either one of the managers that could come in that we're talking about, of course, is going to do whatever Harry Kane would ask of them, right? It's Harry Kane. So I don't know. I mean, I don't see why anyone else would would be most influential.
0: So my response to that would be there's going to be a lot of people that hear what you just said and say this club for too many years has been um, subservient to Harry Kane and his wishes – and there are even some people who will take it further that say you know we had a whole talk about we don't think harry Kane's going anywhere but people think he should move on they should try and get what they can for him and sell him to manchester united i I obviously don't agree with that part of it but i also agree with to some extent that he should have influence but i don't think he should be handpicking the manager at the same time and i agree with you too on Paratici. like it's funny you say he shouldn't be involved well we're seeing reports, and I'm a believer in where there's smoke, there's, there's fire most of the time. But we're seeing lists that Paratishi has put together that, you know, I'm, I'm sitting here saying, why is this guy, if this guy's not going to be here beyond the summer, and I think that's still a very big question, why is he putting lists together for our next manager? Obviously, Conte shouldn't be involved in it. Like, I, I get what you're saying there. But I, I also think there's a, a mindset of there's potentially too many cooks in the kitchen here. Like, do we need one or two people making this decision, or do we need four to six people making this decision? Like, I just I don't know the answers to any of these questions. Well, and I think they're not discussed enough.
3: And I don't mean to hog, carry on. I'll I, I'll be quick, but I just I I think to anyone saying that we've catered to Harry Kane for too long, look at everyone else we've catered to. We actually we've catered to Levy, is what the fans would say more than anything, right? Levy is a very average director at best, right? Harry Kane is the the best striker to have ever played the sport, in my opinion. So I don't know. I mean, we've catered to all kinds of people. Um, and it's all been fucked. So we might as well cater to the greatest player to ever play the position. I just, yeah, I don't know.
1: Well, I've seen these lists of practices that Andrew just alluded to, and they suck. And I, I don't understand why we're letting Pratichy make decisions when his last two managerial picks were just so completely wrong for the identity of the club. Uh, that just doesn't make sense to me. And you're, you're going to have people who say that like the idea of a club having a certain culture is kind of, you know, nonsense and doesn't really exist. But I, I think it does. And I haven't supported this club my whole life, like some people, but I know enough about the history to know that, you know, we do value an attacking style of football and that's who Spurs are supposed to be. And the last two managerial picks just did not align with that. Mm -hmm. And if that's the same vein that Pratichy is going to continue in, he should not be making this decision. And I don't think he should be at the club anyway, because he's just too much – you know, potentially criminal baggage (laughs) to be carrying along at this point. But yeah, I I would not be valuing his opinion on the subject if it was my, my uh, decision.
0: Well, and to be fair, Paratichi really only hired Conte because they, they sacked Jose in April of 2021 and Paratichi didn't come on board until June. So he's really only had the one crack at it, but at the same time, I just don't know, like you said, there's so much there's such a cloud hanging over this guy's head, both criminally and also are we I mean he's he's picked us some good players, he's also gotten some real stinkers as well. <laughs> some guys who have not not really helped and not really contributed. I just there's again the 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 word I keep using is tentacles because this thing feels like a a a tangled mess right now, and there's so many decisions to be made both from that level, from from the director of football level, from the managerial level, and from the players level, and I think the one thing that we've all been calling out for over the last handful of months, when it's looked like Conte has been going down this road, is just a, an eye toward the future. And for so long, it looked like we weren't going to get any kind of resolution until the season was over. And then, when Conte went into this press conference last Saturday after the draw to Southampton, all of that changed. And now a week later, when all of that changed, none of it has actually really changed. So we've got another week to kind of speculate here, a week plus really, because Spurs don't play for another eight days. But I have a feeling that if this if this shit's not done by, you know, all the talk today is that Antonio Conte is scheduled to return to to Hotspur Way on Tuesday and run training. I have to imagine that if that happens, he's going to stay with this club. And that would be really baffling to me that would be really really wild that would be really really wild
3: honestly it would just be absolutely fucking exhausting so let's just really hope that that doesn't happen um and again I, i separate conte the person when i say that right i do feel for him but no like if he's still the manager i'm not even fucking interested in probably watching the rest of the season to be honest let me know how we finish and what's next
0: Well, and I'm so anti transfer rumors, especially in the month of March when we know nothing can happen, but like, let's especially stop all the fucking transfer rumors for potential summer ads or, or departures when we don't know who the goddamn manager was going to be. And we don't know the system we're going to be running. We don't know what formation we're going to be in come August, September when the new season starts. So let's maybe not talk about oh this guy fits this profile really well. Well, what which profile is that? Is that the Deserby profile? Is that the Nagelsmann one? Is that the Pochettino one? Is that the the, the somehow the Conte one? No, we don't know. So let's stop with all the the dumb rumors. I, I'm so sick and tired of hearing oh it's going to be really great to have uh, Jed Spence and Destiny Adogi as wingbacks next season are we going to be playing with wingbacks? Who fucking knows? Now, maybe those guys can be regular fullbacks too, but I just, I am so over the the speculation of this guy is going to fit really well in the system when we don't know what the system is. Um, that just feels really, really stupid.
3: You, I, I, you bring up an interesting point. I saw this, I think put into Twitter, maybe it was somebody in our group chat, but I think I saw it on Twitter and I really hadn't thought about it, which is crazy because I should have, but we went out and bought, fullbacks in Emerson Royale right or at least fullback and then hired a manager who uses wingbacks forced those fullbacks into the wingback position bought some wingbacks and now we're going to sack the manager who uses wingbacks and go back to a manager who uses fullbacks Pratichy has been in charge of most of that so you know that that goes into the conversation we just had but I think it really just speaks to what a mess this club is right and how we can talk about the manager and the transfers and all of that, blah, 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 blah. But just so many instances of what are we even actually doing at Tottenham right now. And I think, you know, the domino will fall when we hire a manager and to maybe start cleaning some of this up. But holy shit, like we can't even, to your point, Andrew, we can't even bring in the talent that the manager requires because we 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 put, you know, our, our card in front of the horse and then expect things to go well.
0: Imagine a world where Sergio Reggian, Tangi and Dombelé, Brian Heel, Giovanni Lasosso all come back and are playing in a four-two-three-one for fucking Pochettino or Nagelsmann. The guy Roman that signed them all. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who knows? Like I, I, all of these things, we just don't freaking know. I mean, all these guys are still in the books. We just there's there's a lot of mystery to it, and it's March twenty sixth, and Got a feeling that come April 26th, there's still going to be a little bit of mystery to it, even though we might have a manager in play. It, it, we still could, we still could be talking about this for months because there's still the the world of possibility where it's just Ryan Mason for the next 10 games. We're going to figure this out in the summer. And I don't know that that's what we want either, but that's very much in the cards for this whole ordeal. So um, I can't believe we've, we've spent this much time talking about it and I can't believe we're going to continue to. So uh, before we get out of here today, let's talk a little bit about that North London derby on the women's side. Uh, Spurs lose 5-1 to Arsenal at Brisbane Road yesterday. Um, I know you both watched it. I was unable to watch. But, Caroline, you want to just kick us off and talk about what went right, what went wrong? We didn't really talk extensively about the women's team last week because of all of this Conte bullshit, and I feel kind of awkward about pushing it to the end of the podcast today. But um, they did get the win against Leicester right after they had fired Rand Skinner, and then they turn around this week and do fall to Arsenal. So you want to just give us the, the download on what's going on with Tottenham Hotspur women?
1: Yeah, I know we didn't get to, to talk about the result last week, but honestly, even though we had two different results, it was really the same picture. Um, a large majority of the team underperforming, Beth England scoring our only goal of each game. Um, one from open play and then one from a penalty in the case of the Arsenal game. Um, yeah, things just are not looking any brighter under Vicky Jepson, our interim manager. And we probably should have expected this because she was Rianne's assistant. You know, she's working from a lot of the same tactical ideas. And it just feels like we're still not we're not putting our best 11 out on the pitch And the players who have been playing have not been performing to their highest level. So I don't know. Do you have anything to add to that, Scott? Cause I honestly feel like that's it.
3: (laughs) Yeah. I think, you know, we, we put ourselves in a pretty tough position, you know, with, uh, with that first goal, I think you and I talked about it, Bartrip and and Harrop both just kind of had a tough one yesterday and, Unfortunately, we're just – both of them were just kind of ran all over by by the Arsenal attack. Um, makes it really hard on the midfield, right? Uh, puts a lot of strain on the midfield. I I thought, thought Spence played really well yesterday. Um, and I think that, you know, kind of speaks to to maybe some of the struggles that the rest of the squad put on the midfield. England, England was great, you know, the chance she gave herself that turned into – I guess it didn't turn into the penalty, but the penalty for, followed very shortly, you know, from that uh, – um, so there were some bright spots, but all, all together, I think just uh, too many pieces that that weren't fitting quite right with the overall goal yesterday. And anytime you have a couple of missing pieces in the eleven, or not missing pieces—they were there, right? But you understand my point against a team as talented as Arsenal.
1: Uh, well, I, I do think I I would add that we were missing a couple of key players in this situation because. Mana Iwabuchi could not play mm. because she was mm. on loan from Arsenal. Yep. Um, and she's really been important in improving our possession. Um, so that, you know, that was very evident that she was missing. And also Shalina Zdorsky, you know our captain, mm. I feel like it's kind of sad. I think we have maybe undervalued her at times this season, but in the stretch of games where she's been out, it's been really apparent how important she is to keeping the the backline organized and yeah, you know we need her back pronto, and the sad thing is we really don't have a clear answer on what's going on with her so
3: yeah <laughs> as always no, with the I, women's team yeah it's a it's a good point and and I appreciate it right i'm I'm learning every day I think but the the other thing that I noticed yesterday to your point about the back line is I think it i think I think Roz had a tough match yesterday because of some of the play from behind her, right? Without question. And I think um, you know, her and Beth almost almost linked up for a pretty beautiful goal. I think maybe minute 10 or so. So um, but but outside of that, I think Ross Roz had a tough game and some touches that went astray off some poor passes and just kind of felt found yourself stuffed up stuffed up against the touchline more so than finding room on the ball or when she did find room on the ball, it wasn't the right pass and, and whatnot. So um, again, just all kinds of pieces, you know, to your point uh, that put a lot of strain on those, those players that would have been around those players we were missing. Right.
1: Right. And I, I think the one good thing we can take out of this weekend is that the results around us kind of fell favorably. Yeah. Um, there was a really mm. exciting Merseyside derby, which Liverpool dropped points in, which was helpful to us. Reading and Brighton had a draw. So we didn't actually suffer in the table in the standings um, from this loss. So I, I still feel like we, we should be safe from relegation after getting that win against Leicester. But it's just hard to feel very hopeful about the rest of the season if things continue with you know, with Vicky as the interim manager, because she's just not, she hasn't made any sort of, you know, significant change to the, the tactics or the lineup. So yeah, it's a bit of a bummer at the moment.
3: Yeah. All survival on on the women's side right now and just survive and, and try yes. to regroup. <laughs> I think a huge conversation to be had about
0: who the manager is. We don't need a
3: three hour pod, but that's that's a, <laughs> obviously a huge question on the other side of the club as well. So
0: Well, Spurs women are back in action next Sunday against Everton, uh, still sitting ninth, uh, five points clear of Leicester in the drop zone. Um, I really hate to do this to you guys, but as we are recording this podcast, um, (laughs) the men just, the the men just announced they fired Antonio Conte. So that just happened. Uh,
1: are you kidding?
0: While you guys were talking about the women's team? I, uh, yes, uh, this is, (laughs) this has just gone down. Tottenham Hotspur have a club announcement that they just announced, uh, Head head coach Antonio Conte has left the club by mutual agreement. Uh, We achieved Champions League qualification in Antonio's first season at the club. We thank him for his contribution and wish him well for the future. Here's the really important news that kind of makes everything we've talked about in this podcast a little bit obsolete. But that's okay because the the listeners, I think, will appreciate hearing this reaction live. Uh, Christian Stellini will take the team as acting head coach for the remainder of the season, along with Ryan Mason as assistant head coach. Uh, Daniel Levy, the chairman, says, quote, we have 10 Premier League games remaining and we have a fight on our hands for a Champions League place. We all need to pull together. Everyone has to step up to ensure the highest possible finish for our club and amazing loyal supporters. So. (sighs) I hate to steer this car right back into the lane that we were in previously, but let's keep podcasting, baby. Let me cancel. We have already. Yeah, we've already hit about an hour and 10 on this podcast here today. I think we can give this another five or 10 here. We're breaking our,
1: our time record today, I think. We, we, <laughs> Let's go.
0: We, we have an announcement, literally as we were recording. Um, so Antonio wow. Conte is out, and it is Christian Cellini for the rest of the season with Ryan Mason uh, on his hip. I guess my real-time reaction to this is, okay, fine. As I kind of mentioned before we started talking about the women's team, there's a very real possibility that this conversation about a long-term solution gets kicked to the summer it now appears that that has happened. I guess my question is, does this make this more or less likely that it's someone like Nagelsmann, Pochettino, Mason? Dessert? Like, I, I think this just opens up all the possibilities for the summer, does it not? Because they're not being forced to make this decision within a, an international break and figure out the long-term solution. I actually, my immediate reaction to this is I don't mind this move. I think the club has played fairly well under Stellini when he's been at the helm. Um, I I don't know. The the listeners are getting a real look into the soul here because there's, there's no thought and no, uh, no no real time to react to this because this has literally just happened as we are uh, recording. So Caroline, I'll throw it to you first. What does this mean? I don't think we really know, but I guess it, it brings me a little bit of comfort, right?
1: Well, first off, I have to add this note for the listener. You know, as Scott and I were sitting here talking about the women's team, we could see you reacting. Um, and I kind of just assumed it was like a March Madness score or something that no, you were excited no, about. It was, it was, it oh, was, it was Tottenham
0: Hotspur firing, well, what a, what a time to be to alive with Antonio Conte. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. No,
1: but I, I mean, you could probably hear it in my voice. Like, I'm so relieved that this decision has been made finally – Sunday afternoon, that's a weird one. It's like, what, almost 11 o'clock <laughs> there? 10.30? Whatever, uh, time zone. Uh, um, but, yeah, I think it's it's funny that we were literally just talking about how much do things change under an interim manager with the women's team because we're about to have another uh, case study here with the men's team with Christian Stellini taking over. Um, <laughs> uh, so... Sorry, I lost my train of thought with Kat. yeah, yeah let's
3: <laughs>
0: go! I, I heard Kat scream from the other <laughs> side of the apartment.
1: What? And Kat
0: actually, Cat actually room. just invited twelve people over to have a party. She's celebrating already. We're gonna, we're yeah, gonna, gonna, have gonna, gonna have to, to let Scott go join thing, the party yeah. here soon. <laughs>
1: Uh, Uh, But I I think, I think, Andrew, I'm sorry, I've gotten so distracted, but I think your original question was, does this mean that we're basically punting the decision to the summer? I really
0: just want your feelings, Kaz, like that's uh, because I'm feeling like this is okay (laughs) for me. I'm okay with with punting this decision to the summer because I think it's a massive decision. I don't want it rushed.
1: I am too, because, you know, one of my biggest fears, if we did take the plunge right away with a new manager before the end of the season was that if it wasn't Pachatino, it was going to be Luis Enrique. And no offense to Dakota, who I know is a huge fan of this guy. I did not want him at all. Um, so there's definitely more relief there. And I think it's good in the sense that this gives, you know, the club time to really think about this decision for once, you know, um, have an actual coherent strategy going forward. You know, they can get the man that they want. They can start to think about what's going on with Perattici, like how is he going to factor in or not, hopefully, in my opinion. Um, and then also, you know, start thinking about transfers as well.
0: You know, something I hadn't really thought about, and I'm, I want to let Scotty get in here about this too, but you bring up a really good point with Paratici. Maybe that's a, a a part of this. You want to let Perattici just see out the – the rest of the season in his role, and then we're going to figure out what to do with him, and then the manager. Because I do think there is a little bit of a hierarchy here that needs to be, um, you know, sorted in terms of his future, and then you figure out what the manage the, the managerial future is, um, from there as well. Scott, where where are you on all of this? Obviously, we're we're we were all Conte out. We were all kind of over it after last Saturday. It took eight days, but now it's 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 finally happened. Um, I guess. Do you feel comfortable with them kicking this decision to the summer, or did you need something more immediate? I don't. I don't think any of us needed something with immediacy at, for for ten games, right?
3: No, I mean, I think the only s- slight sense of disappointment is that they didn't announce Poch, right? And you guys know why I feel that way. Um, I don't want to say disappointment even, but just like could have made this perfect, right? But I'm very, I'm very happy that it seems like the club and Conte will both at what's best for both parties, right? Um, I'm very intrigued that Stellini is sticking around. Very intrigued.
0: It is Even very interesting. You know, that Me I was too. talking
3: about. Mm-hmm. Very intrigued. What? He's Conte's guy, so of course that begs a lot of questions. But he's fucking talented, like we've seen it, right? I'm not saying he's like the long term guy, but I am very intrigued by the fact that he's staying around. I think he's priming himself for managerial positions this summer, not a Spurs probably, but now it does kind of open the Pandora's box for the media without question. They're going to have months of speculation in front of them, right? They'll love that. My point of bringing that up respect to the media, but we're going to speculate as well, right along with them. And this could mean so many things. I mean, Hell, it could mean Stellini's the guy, right? We don't know. I highly doubt that, but it could mean Mason's the guy who will who will be next to Stellini learning and observing and digesting, et cetera, et cetera. It could mean the Nagelsman is the guy. It could mean the Pacetino's the guy and they haven't figured some things out. It can mean anything. So um yeah. I think all I can say right now is the club did what it had to do, and we will see. I I can't say that I have faith that they'll make the right decision, but I can say that I feel good about the fact that they're giving themselves time to do that, I guess. Right. Um, And I'm in a weird way. I'm pretty stoked for Christian Stellini. Actually. I really am. Um, Very intrigued as to why he's not going with Conte, but I'm happy for
1: him. You know what I'm intrigued about is with Stellini staying on, like how much tactical change are we going to actually see? You know, for Mm -hmm. the
0: last few games, I don't think it's going to be a lot, and that's actually what I I have a bad feeling.
1: It won't be a lot
0: (laughs) because how much did we see in the however many games it was that Conte missed following the gallbladder, and then came back for the one, and then missed more. So I, I don't know that we're going to see a lot more. I think it's going to be much of the same from a football standpoint. But Caroline, something you said before really jogged my mind when you look at these timelines. It's so, it's so weird how similar the Conte run was to the Mourinho run because of when they were appointed, they were both appointed um, kind of late fall uh, or, or early winter as a replacement for someone. And they both ran out about 17, 18 months and got fired with X number of games to go in the season. And it's interesting how we're looking at this now kind of in a positive way in that okay well now they can really take their time during the summer and figure out over these next handful of months who they want to appoint for next season well when that happened previously with Jose Mourinho they appointed Nuno and it went terribly so i just i guess i have this slight bit of um what's the word i'm looking for here like like there's a trigger warning that needs to be placed on this for me because like i don't want that that part of deja vu to to come up and bite me in the ass again not that i think it can go that poorly again because how how the fuck could it but at the same time i'm like i they really it nothing that we've said in the, in the last um, you know 80 minutes or so really goes out the window because they still have to get this right this is still a very very big decision as to who the next long-term appointment will be um, and we can throw out all the names again and honestly we may not have named the the next manager, the next full-time manager of Tottenham on this podcast yet. We've named a lot of names, but we may, we may not have that name. And I think that's in a weird way. I think that's completely fine. Um, and in another way, it absolutely terrifies me. So I guess, you know, that's Man. where I'm at.
1: It's It's no. a lot of feelings that I'm experiencing right now, but again, the foremost one is just relief because I feel like, the, the Conte situation could not continue. It would have gotten so toxic if he returned to the club on Tuesday and was around the players again. You know, I just I would not have wanted to see how that turned out. Let's put it that way.
3: Yeah. I'm I, I'm just sitting here thinking about this obviously now because it just happened, but I think I think Stellini I think Stellini gives us the best chance at top four. And I started thinking about this when you guys brought up the football not changing. I think that's probably best, actually, for a top four. I think if you bring in a new manager with 10 games left, halfway through an international break, you got five or six days to implement new tactics, new formations, blah, blah, blah. With 10 super fucking important games ahead, it might not go that well. The guys have played really good under Stellini in a a 3-4-3, right? Very attacking, just relentless pressing football. So I think the tactics won't change a whole lot, but I do suspect that the performances will change a ton. I think that Stellini could implement his own subtle changes, right? He's a smart dude, but I think overall going forward with what we know from the last 18 months is probably the best shot at getting top four. And it's really important to the next manager, right? If we want Nagelsmann probably wants to be managing in the champions league, right? He's going to have an opportunity to do that somewhere. So um yeah it's 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 actually i think a really really smart move and i'm actually i'm pretty excited for this weekend let's go
0: wow we got scott to be excited for a christian stellini appointment it's not a pochettino one it's not an Nagelsmann one hey. but a, a christian stellini appointment has got scott almost all of a sudden kind of interested in in actual football and, and caring a little bit that is maybe the upset of the day to be perfectly honest Man, um Italians stick together we, we have been potting now for about an hour and 20 minutes and I don't know what else there is to say other than we're going to take in all direction from what has happened uh, and more so than we just did live on microphones. And we're going to have more to say about it come next weekend because, again, you know, there's there's not much else that can be said other than this is where this club is going. They're going to go forward with Stellini in place and kind of figure out it is a very. The more and more you think about it's it very, very unprecedented for, and I know you can't use very unprecedented in the same sentence, so grammar nerds, get off my back. But it is, I've never heard of a situation where a guy's number two stays on in this manner um, and will potentially have the opportunity to, like, in the same way that if Ryan Mason would have been appointed manager and if they won eight or nine of these 10 games and make top four, I think he would have a chance to hang on. I think Stellini has every bit uh, that chance as well, if that's something that he um, so chooses. So uh, here we go. Let's let's go. Stellini ball is is in effect, and uh, Conte is out. Uh, the surprise of all surprise. This is the first real time we've ever had a like live reaction on the podcast uh, happen, and I'm uh, I'm so glad to have been able to do it with you folks. If you haven't heard Shuban chime in, he had to jet off to bed about uh, thirty minutes ago. Uh, and that's why he's not reacting to this news. You haven't heard his voice since the beginning of the podcast. It's late over there in London, which is another really weird element to this that they, like you said, Caroline, they waited until late, late in on a Sunday night, London time, to do this. Um, but yeah, we're gonna we're gonna go into a week full of. A lot more news, and I'm sure uh, Stellini will have a press conference like he's done many times over the last few months filling in for Conte, but this one's going to have a little more heft to it and a little more, a little more importance, I would say. So uh, that's all I've got for you guys. I'm completely potted out. We don't normally do pods this long. We try to keep them, you know, a little bit more condensed for you, but obviously the news of the day, uh, Antonio Conte out as Spurs manager. Christian Cellini, at least on a ten-game interim basis, is in, and we'll go from there and talk about it more next week. Uh, you can follow me at A Stetka. You can follow Shuban at the Real Shuban. Follow Caroline at CG Stefco, Follow Scott at DSM Spurs. Follow us at Tottenham Depot. Still, tons of content pouring out of there uh, on Twitter, on Instagram, and we're gonna have a lot more to say about all of this. Uh, but we just we need to collect our breath and and figure out exactly uh, where this whole thing is going now that we have uh, at least a plan for the next 10 games in the next handful of months to get through the rest of this season we will talk to you once again next week. and this has been the tottenham depot podcast as always come on you spurs
3: thank you so much for stopping by the tottenham depot
0: thanks to scott bird for our intro music as well as the tunes you are hearing right now thanks to dakota booth for our artwork Thank you as well to our spouses who put up with our obsession with this football club and for all that they do. And thanks to you, the listener, who really makes this happen. Supporters make this club, and you, the listener, are what make this podcast possible. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Tottenham Depot, and as always, come on you Spurs.